everybody welcome to the 139th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage chilling man just just got done playing uh that new battle royale game act it's it's dope man uh got my fourth win this weekend which makes me feel pretty good it's just a battle royale game that it's taking over uh all that new shit and people are loving it and it's fun but I basically I, just sent you the equivalent of a you up text. I don't know. It was like <laughs> I was playing video games and I was just like, oh, shit, we haven't really done a podcast yet. Fuck. All right. Five minutes. Five minutes <laughs> in the middle of a game. <laughs> I know I planned on doing something on President's Day. I had the day off. And to be honest, the day kind of uh, slipped away from me and went out with, with Olga, got some sushi. And, nice, uh, man. What, what's your favorite sushi? Uh, we went to Bamboo. I don't know where that is. It's uh, the one in Southwest. Um, the one Dame always goes to. What's your favorite role? We're just like every Portland podcast now. We're just talking about the food and shit. Uh, the, um, the Green Machine is... What's on the Green Machine? Um, you get tempura, green beans. Ooh. Um, a, a bunch of... Uh, has a ton of avocado on it. It actually doesn't have any fish. It's... Uh, you can also get albacore tuna on it, but like the green machine, and it comes with like a, a really nice aioli. It's perfection. And then we had another one with a new white fish with also some crab, which was also fire. The drinks are fantastic. It was just a nice, uh, just a nice little President's Day. Like had a having a weekday off is like finding money. It, it just, <laughs> it's one of the best feelings uh, in the world. And How was the so, miso soup though? Didn't get any miso. Like so. Olga threw down some breakfast burritos at about 10 and we had reservations for 115 and like uh we should probably boost these reservations back a little bit because we're <laughs> not hungry but it worked out you know we got in it too uh had a great little late lunch and you know watched the movies and you know it was a really it was a great day and i find if the miso soup isn't fire at a japanese restaurant the rest of the food probably isn't going to be fire because miso soups, like once you get that that sauce, like the the broth down, it's delicious and pretty easy to replicate. So if they don't have that down, I have real judgments for the rest of their sushi. I guess, <laughs> I guess you're that's not, so that's a Portlander uh, like food uh, superiority right there, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, you're you're not wrong, but. <laughs> We actually have a shit ton to cover, and it's crazy that it's it's been a week since we've recorded, but there is so much to talk about, Sage. And first of all, let's... And I one think, game. I think we would be remiss if we did not talk about the Golden State Warriors, because your boy, last week, specifically stated it would be a bloodbath. Who knew it, the roles would be reversed? the tables would turn and Portland would be the one dropping the hammer mm-hmm. on the two time defending champs. You know, I took my dad to the game. Olga hates going to the Laker games and the warrior games, the bandwagon fans just basically get under her skin. So, you know, took dad to the game, had the pregame King burrito and, you know, going into the game, dad was already two and oh at the Rose garden. So if anybody was going to get us over the hump, it was pops. 
And, you know, it was a great game, Sage, back and forth. Like, no, I don't think the Blazers led by more than five or six. And the same thing went for the Warriors. I mean, you had Steph and KD carrying the torch for Golden State, 64 combined points, 32 apiece. But you also had a balanced Blazer attack. I mean, I I almost feel like Dame's 29 points on 60% shooting, 6 of 8 from downtown, 8 assists, 0 turnovers was one of the most under the radar performances. Mm. But if you go back and watch that performance, every time the Warriors made a shot or Steph was looking like he was going on his third quarter barrage, Dame would come back and mm, they had an answer. Superstar players do. And it was just one of the most memorable games that I've ever seen live. I mean, that fourth quarter meltdown, Zach Collins getting into their Our head. baby boy. He actually showed me something for the first time probably since before he turned 21. Um, what did you think about about Zach Sage? I mean, I know for a while he didn't score any points and he was actually, you know, looking like it wasn't going to be a great performance. I still think he has a lot to go um, in the way of his offensive performance. But but defensively, he looked like that guy we saw opening night against the Lakers. His mm. weak defense and hustle was everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean... The fact that he could rent headspace in championship players and teams' heads is pretty remarkable for a guy that just turned 21. I mean, you you see the intelligence of how he defends the basketball, and it's pretty inspiring. I I, I guess playing against the Warriors hyped him up to just be that badass motherfucker. Do you know what I think hyped him up? What? Portland signing Ennis Cantor because Ooh. he knows his role was already starting to get diminished a little bit with the addition of Rodney Hood. Now we add uh, a center, which, you know, he was playing a lot of those backup big minutes sharing it with Myers. And he's like, oh, shit, my spot's not safe. I got to turn it on. I think the seat's been a little too cushy for a mm-hmm. lot of these players. And what Pete Carroll used to do at USC, love him or hate him, they would have competition Wednesdays. Doesn't matter if you're Matt Liner or Reggie Bush, your job was on the line every Wednesday to start the following Saturday. And it felt like Portland finally started getting enough good, talented bodies where you don't know if you're going to play and it's determined based upon the guy ahead of you being better, not Mm. whether you're in a slump or not. Like We legit have 10 NBA rotation guys now, so there's going to be a couple of guys who are uh, knocking on that door trying to get in. Mm-hmm. Man, that that absolutely could be the case where that extra competition was the motivating factor for a good performance, and we got to see what happens when he when Ennis Cantor actually suits up. And we're talking about the buyout of Ennis Cantor. What did you did you think we were gonna get him? You know, after a few days passed, and usually once the trade deadline passes, you see immediately guys are signing. Wesley Matthews went to Indiana, mm-hmm. um, and you just kind of started seeing those, those rumors, and they popped up immediately. And so once I, once the the aftermath of the trade deadline passed, and you know Thursday no news, Friday no news, um, you didn't really see Portland in any of the the rumors. And I know that's technically a good thing if you want action especially when it comes from from neil shakes he keeps it very he close keeps it tight to the vest man he's he's uh, one of the dudes that keeps it super tight but actually i was at work and one of my coworkers was like Woj bomb blazers just signed Cantor, and i was like what that came out of left field um it is the same agent that neil Shake got that max contract for mm. in okc back in the summer of 2015 so you know there has to be a little bit of goodwill there but 
all things considered, you know, he did have an offer to go back to the Thunder, which he was a stash bro with Steven Adams. And he there there's a lot of love still with that franchise and Mr. Cantor. And I, I think more importantly, it shows that this guy is now in a contract year. He could have gone the Wesley Matthews route, and I'm not saying what Wesley Matthews did was incorrect, but go to a, a pretty good team that doesn't have any chance at all. Like the Pacers with Victor Oladipo, no chance. Wesley's going there to audition for his next contract. He's going to get starting minutes. And, 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 knows, but you can't blame him for that just because... No, and I didn't say that was an incorrect yeah. decision, but I'm saying I think it speaks volumes that Cantor took a backup role. He, he is the backup center, but it's a backup role nonetheless behind one of the best centers in the league. And he came to Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, people will shit on his defense and know he's not a perfect player. But this, this starts to turn the tide a little bit. This changes the narrative somewhat that players don't want to come to Portland or Portland can't attract players. Say what you will about Ennis Cantor. He's the biggest name we've gotten since Andre Miller. He is a bigger name than Evan Turner. Well, we got him for like 1.6, 1.8 million. Are you expecting to get a guy who is a five-star player on a $1.8 million contract? It's not It's not the 80s anymore when you can get some crazy, talented guy for so cheap. Well, he is so cheap because he was bought, bought out. out. So I think you have to throw you know caution to the wind when, when you're talking about his salary i will say temper expectations because this this is a a bench player but if you follow twitter if you follow the message boards if you've been watching the games rip city has been wanting a reliable bench player Mm -hmm. for so long i mean we've just wanted that six man of the year and you know rodney hood started to fill that void and now i think ennis cancer can do that and what did we talk about last week when we discussed the addition of rodney hood you want your bench players to do one to two things really well. You want them to be specialists. Well, that's what Ennis Cantor does. He's an incredible rebounder, especially on the offensive end of the mm-hmm. uh, floor, and he can get you buckets. Yeah, and that's unlimited minutes. He doesn't have to play 35 minutes to get those stats. He just needs 25 plus, and he's golden, and is going to produce a lot for you in those limited minutes. So. The fact that we got him is pretty special because it's just a pretty nice weapon you can have to challenge your team's third and fourth bigs with Enos Cantor off the bench just posting them up, making their lives miserable. So in a 20-25 minute action, it's fantastic to see a guy that just will body people. And, I mean, he's auditioning for his job, for his next job. He's going to try hard. And you heard him talk about how playoffs makes his nipples hard. He wants to be in the playoffs. He wants to do well. So it's it's a it's a win win. We get a guy who's a game changer in limited minutes for a very cheap contract, and then he's getting a chance to audition in the playoffs when every general manager's watching him. You know, before And it won't hurt was- Zach Collins' future prospects because he's gonna be gone in four months. We're just renting yeah. this hired gun for this for this stretch run, and he's probably going to be gone because we can't afford him. He, he is likely gone. Like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say never, just because he's already pretty hyped on Portland. Um, retweeting, you know, Dame after the All Star break, um, especially with the interview with Chris Haynes that just dropped today about Dame being loyal and you know staying 
with that franchise. And the dude, I think, might have set the record for changing all social profile pictures and so headers fast. to his current team so fast. Like that shows me that that he's excited. And you know, if if this relationship works out, who knows? But yes, I, I would say you majority of the time are going to be right. This is probably likely a rental. But it's such a low-risk, high-reward mm-hmm. scenario if you're the Trailblazers. And for Portland, we have seen the bench just lose too many leads. Our second quarter point differential is one of the worst in the entire NBA. And quite frankly, on most nights, we just don't have enough firepower. Like We mm-hmm. don't have the luxury of the Warriors or the 76ers where you have four all-stars where – you know, if your bench comes in and kind of craps the bed, you've got firepower. Just you can come back and tie the game in, in two minutes. Portland has nights like that, but that means it's usually Dame going into God mode, CJ catching fire, or, or Nurk putting up a historic night. So it takes a lot for this team to come back. Hence, Portland only has one comeback after the third quarter. And ironically enough, it came against the Golden State Warriors when they outscored them 35 to 12. So... If you're the Blazers now, I think the narrative needs needs to shift a bit. You know, for the last three plus years, and this, you know, the noise was really loud last year after that sweep at the hands of the Pelicans. It was the roster just isn't good enough. Neil O'Shea did not do a good enough job. Damian Lillard does not have enough help. I would say that it's not ideal, and I wish we would have done even more at the deadline. But with the additions of Rodney Hood and Ennis Cantor. You easily have a top 10, possibly top 7 roster in the entire NBA. To me, there are now no excuses, barring health, knock on wood, that the Blazers stay healthy. But when you're looking at a rotation where your starting five consists of Dame, CJ, Harkless, Aminu, Nurkic, then you're throwing in guys off the bench like Ennis Cantor, Jake Lehman, who has been astronomical, I mean, out of this world since the the start of Mm -hmm. the new year. Rodney Hood and Evan Turner, to to my chagrin, still is able to provide some some consistency in terms of finding Jake on the lobs. He can bully smaller guards, so he does. He's not a bad ninth player off the yeah, bench. Exactly, and that to me is a good enough roster to get out of the first round. And I think that's all Blazer mania is expecting or hoping, wishing, dreaming for, for playoff wins. We're not expecting Western conference. God knows we're not expecting the NBA finals. And I think nobody in their right mind would actually think this is a championship contending team, given the current climate of the NBA with the warriors involved. But you cannot tell me that any team other than golden state has a significant roster advantage over the Portland trailblazers. The Trailblazers not only have a bonafide leader in Damian Lillard, they have the advantage of being uh, a group that has a lot of continuity. They have been together a long time. They have played a lot of games with one another. The chemistry is through the roof. So when people start to say it's all on Neil, I think you need to pump the brakes a bit and say, okay, I think Neil started to do a little bit uh, more of his job. Terry, now now what are you going to do? Because Jason Quick came out on the Lockdown Blazers podcast and said if the Blazers do not get out of the first round, two of the following three things will happen. CJ dealt, Stotts fired, Olshay fired. Well, who has been saying that? Who has been singing to the choir this whole season? You and I, my friend. 
I I would I would say that we have a top ten roster in the NBA now. Would you agree with that statement? Top ten, top third, absolutely. I think there would be twenty plus teams dying to switch places with us right now. Absolutely. So to say that our roster is trash in an argument, either with words or on Twitter, saying roster's trash, Neil O'Shea is working wonders with trash players is like. You mean Terry Stotts? Whatever, yes. Yes, Terry Stotts is working wonders with just absolute trash players. It's like, man, we got an MVP candidate. Our center is probably a top five center in the NBA if you look at any statistical matrix. CJ McCollum can get biz. He's not consistent, but we have a, you know, I would say a top five center, a top three point guard, arguably a top one point guard. Yo, most of wins in this NBA comes from your three best players. If your three best players are Dame, CJ, and Nurk, you're doing all right. And then everybody else is ancillary to those three players, and they help them win games of the regular season. I would put that top three against a lot of other top threes. Yes, I know that they all have to do well for us to win, but it's like, this is the Western Conference. Every team that's trying to make the playoffs has to try hard to win. It's such a thin margin of error for them. So it's kind of, it, for me, when I see it, it just makes me roll my eyes and then be like, thank God I didn't engage in conversation with a person that's just going to take a lazy take and not really explain it because, dude, we have a good team. Neil, for as much shit as we've given him in the last few years, he's making good plays. He's not bunting the ball like we talked about last week. He's actually making contact and trying to get usable players for this run i mean absolutely i think you hit the nail on the head it's a lazy take just to single-handedly call out neil olshay as the scapegoat and blazer fans have done this for years it went myers leonard was one of them it started with kevin duckworth man it went from damon stoudemire luke babbitt myers leonard like blazer fans love to find one thing and just hold on to that thing for dear life and pin the tail on that blame game ad nauseum i mean they just are relentless all we're trying to say is success and failure is a package deal when the team does well obviously neil olshay had a hand in it because he put the roster in place and obviously terry stotts had a hand in it because he was the one putting the strategy in place now when they fail i think you have to look at it the boat the same way neither one of us is saying it's one or the other it's it's i think they're in this together if they don't make it past the first round, there's a, I mean, something drastic is going to happen because Dame is my age now, right? He's 27 years old. The uh, prime... Dame's going to turn 29 in July. Fuck, I'm younger than him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, that makes me feel good. Um, he's 29, so it means his prime isn't, is, here he is in his prime if we're gonna do something with damian lillard to make a big playoff run it has to be now it's no more dilly-dallying it's no more waiting on continuity and chemistry that might never happen we have to swing for the fences if we're gonna make damian lillard a contending to put a contending team around him it's just it is what it is there is no more time the time is now to make moves to uh, to make this team work and i think what neil o'shea's my thought process is i'm gonna try and make this cj dame thing work one last time and if it doesn't 
you know what, at least I tried my way. <laughs> yeah, and I think a lot of people would argue it's been a couple seasons too long. Um, Neil O'Shea is not a perfect GM by any means. He's had his hits, he's had his misses, but but we would argue that Terry has had his hits. He has getting no getting a injuries. Lot out of, yeah, getting a lot out of Jake Lehman, helping him develop. That that is a huge hit. He's his rotations can, can be a miss sometimes. His ability to uh, adapt in game and getting completely outcoached by Alvin Gentry and Darren Ehrman is a huge miss. So all we're trying to say is it takes two to tango. Like let's let's let go of the whole scapegoat. Everyone now has a vested interest. And to be perfectly honest, yes, Dame did not get a lot of help in that postseason, but he will be the first to admit he did not have a good postseason. No, he got locked up by the scheme that Ehrman uh, made up. What I will say about the GM, one last thing is, man, like, there's a lot of luck in it. There's a lot of luck in being an NBA GM. I remember the Golden State Warriors wanted Dwight Howard instead of Andre Iguodala. If Dwight Howard went to the Warriors, we wouldn't be talking about all this, like, sustained brilliance. We'd be talking about a team that's mediocre because Dwight Howard would have tore that team apart. They got lucky, and he denied them them to go to Golden State. They went with Andre Iguodala as their backup plan, and look how shit went. So there's a lot of luck that has to be taken place in NBA for NBA free agencies and tra- transactions. So he's trying. He actually tried this season, off season to save his job. Let's see what Enos Cantor could do in a 20 minute role. And yo, there's going to be games where he gets us 20 points and 10 rebounds in his 25 minutes. And we're going to be clamoring it for him to play. But Enos Cantor is just going to be one hell of a gun for us and a matchup matchup nightmare against any team, really, in the playoffs. So you talked about Dame. This is Dame's prime. This is Dame's team. The time is now for Lillard. He recently, during the All-Star break, was on the Post of the Podcast with Chris Haynes. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, please do. Um, as always, Dame is fantastic. He's serious. He's humorous. He's straightforward. He's to the point. There's no bullshitting Dame. Obviously, the big pull from that podcast was his quote where he says, I do want to win a championship, but there's other stuff that means more to me. It's almost like I'm not willing to sell myself out for that. And he cited that if he goes in and demands a trade, that's going to affect his teammates. It's going to be a domino (laughs) effect. Mm -hmm. He mentioned loving playing for the city of Portland. You know, he's comfortable here. He's he's really created a legacy for himself here. He wants to do it here. You know, there you know the Frank Sinatra song, you know, I'm going to do it my way. That's exactly what Dame's doing. He wants to do it his way and his way is in Portland. To me, as long as the Blazers will have him, he he to I would bet he he is not going anywhere. Like he has made that he is he's stood on that hill far too many times. <clears throat> for him to, to back down from it. And I think as long as we have Lillard, we will be in, in contention, I, mm. I think, one way or another. But I think that just because he said that doesn't mean we ha- we we can't we can't take it easy on trying to improve this team in the short oh, term. No, absolutely not. But it My- definitely makes the fans feel confident. But 
whoever the GM is next year has to really put his thinking camp out on how do we take this team from this level to the next. But I, I mean, what he said is great, but the the ownership and the the general manager and the basketball operations people have to really think how do we take this shit to the next level. Oh, absolutely. They need to think about what the next step is. My point is Dame repeatedly coming out and saying, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not requesting a trade. I want to play here. Hopefully that puts a halt to any ESPN articles already saying, okay, Dame's the new target. You know, it was Anthony Davis. You know, it was Paul George. Dame, you're going to be next in 2020. Like Portland doesn't need that. Dame doesn't need that. So by him. But he's a stronger person than Anthony Davis is. He is, but that still doesn't stop but media. That I mean, the media and like in turn media suppression from New Orleans aside is a weapon that people are going to use. So as long as he is strong with, as long as this team ha- will have me and we compete, I think is the is that next layer. I I I think it's a good thing. But man, as a fan of a team that is going through some humongous, you know media suppression and you know media takeover on one side where the narrative is just so strong that people just assume you know Dell Demps is screwing them over it's just like man having a guy that's strong and adamant about his team and talking about himself as I not me and my agent think is really refreshing to hear because you've you've seen you've heard Anthony Davis talk one thing and then retract the statement immediately in the next media i mean like to see someone who's strong and can speak for themselves not have the agency that represents them for him is pretty pretty nice that's why he is a rare breed i mean he he's as he as he said he's loyal to the soil and i think this is why we have both been clamoring for the Trailblazers and Yellow Shade to to go for it. Like whether it, it's Hood and Cantor this year, what do they do in the offseason? Depending on how the postseason comes out, because like you said, we have a arguably top one, top two point guard. We need to do whatever we can to win with him, and you basically ride or die with him. You go with him until he's not in his prime anymore, and you sunset him off into his career, like the Mavericks are doing Dirk Nowitzki. Mm-hmm. Like the Spurs did with Manu Ginobili, like they did with Tim Duncan. If the Blazers never win a championship with Damian Lillard, let alone make it to the finals, the one wish I have is that he retires a Trailblazer. That that's one thing that I have never personally seen from all of my heroes mm-hmm. growing up. Yeah. They all went and had to play elsewhere, whether that was because of a contract, ownership was moving in another direction, or that they asked out. I want to be able to have that that Reggie Miller, that Dirk Nowitzki, mm-hmm. that player that's like, you think of them, you think of the team. Mm-hmm. Like, they are synonymous. They are tied together, you know, at the hand. John Stockton, the Utah Jazz. Damian Lillard, Portland Trailblazers. That's, I don't even want it to be where he plays one year with another team like Elijah Wan did with the Raptors or Malone did with the Lakers. Like, just at the very least. I want to see this dude retire in the red and black. Mm-hmm. And it, it, as someone who has had elite players in multiple like franchises leave, it sucks. Like I remember, like as a kid, 
when Ricky Jackson went to the 49ers and won a championship that year, it's like, damn, we couldn't do that for our guy? I would love for Dame to just stay in one team. There's something important about the legacy when you just stay in one team and build it from there. But we have to compete for that dream and that hope to happen. In that competing, a seven-game road trip, mostly on the East Coast, this has been the trip that will define the season. This has been the trip we all pointed out as soon as the schedule was released in August. And say this, this is the road trip. Seven straight games on the road for a team that is just 10 and 15 away from the friendly confines of the Rose City. Sage, we're going to talk about the first two games. Thursday, Brooklyn Nets. Saturday, an early morning affair, mind you. Set your alarm against the 76ers. To me, before we dive in, Blazers have to come out of this plus 500. They got to get four wins. And for that to happen, the most important game of this seven-game trip is the first game. Not only does it set the tone, but I think there are three significant games where we will be decided underdogs. You look at Toronto, you look at Philly, and you look at Boston. And I think there are three games that you would be pretty pissed off if we end up dropping. And that's Cleveland, that's Charlotte, and that's Memphis. That leaves the Brooklyn Nets, a team that is finally in the playoff picture. They've got some young talent. They have an all-star in D'Angelo Russell. They just got Karis LeVert back. Yes, they are down Spencer Dinwiddie, but they are basically Portland East. They got Shabazz Napier. They got Ed Davis, who has already called out this game, saying he's got it circled on his calendar. And they have Alan Crabb. This is the game. This is the toughest one. Not only does it set the tone for the trip, but if you pick it up, then whatever you are able to get against Boston, Philly, and Toronto is just icing on the cake. This, this, I cannot stress how important this, this game is. And to me, it could either be a gift or a curse that it's the very first one after the All-Star break. Either you're catching the Brooklyn Nets napping, which is possible when you're looking at a, a young team just trying to get back into the playoff picture. And they have been struggling since Dinwiddie went down. But... It could all, they could also just be fired up, you know, chomping in the bit, ready to get back at it. I mean, with the success of Joe Harris and the three-point contest and then D'Lo representing them in the All-Star game, they got a good representation of on probably one of the sport's biggest stages where they could say, oh, our guys can compete and win. That's awesome. So, talking about the Brooklyn Nets, they're a fun team to watch. Um, It used to be... D'Lo and uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, whoever was hot, got, got the major minutes. But since he's hurt his hand, D- it's D'Lo's show. And Karis LeVert, I haven't seen him play real minutes because of that injury. And, yo, know, he's had a lot of leg injuries. But what I can say is Nurkic is going to be the X factor in this game. Because the Brooklyn Nets allow six extra points and six extra rebounds to every opposing center in the NBA. Yusuf Nurkic is going to demolish the Nets front court Jared Allen is great but they as a team allow so many extra points to the center position so it could be a Nurkic and Enos Cantor dominate night speaking of our bigs my x factor is energy you have to be mentally prepared to start a seven game trip especially at coming off of vacation and offensive rebounding rebounding in general 
Ed Davis is going to try and set that tone early for the Brooklyn Nets. And he's stealing Allen's minutes, too. Allen only plays about 26 minutes a game. That's a lot at Davis. Can the Blazers limit Brooklyn to one possession, and can they pound them on the offensive glass? If the shots aren't falling, Portland needs those second-chance points. They need to be able to really utilize the strength of Cantor and Nurkic. This will be Cantor's debut with with the Trailblazers, so that's always – that's always a crapshoot how that's going to turn out. Um, Sage, what's your prediction on this one? I'm, I'm pretty torn. Nurkic is going to win us this game. It's all on Nurk. Like the, this is the best possible matchup for Nurkic to do well. They are the worst team at allowing points and rebounds to center. So I got to go with my boy. He is going to just absolutely dominate this team. And it's going to be domination from the first minute to the last minute from Yusuf Nurkic. I think the Blazers are going to start out a little slow, but the bench will keep us afloat with Cantor and Hood and Jake. Jake's going to have a couple momentum-changing plays, and down the stretch, the Blazers are going to ride that Dame-Nurk one-two punch. So I, I think they pulled out. I think it even could come down to a Dame winner. People, you need to watch out for Rondé center white center from uh, someplace in Europe. Really fun to watch. Don't know how to pronounce his name. Used him a lot in Daily Fantasy, though. He's really nice. The power forward position's kind of weird. It's either Kruk Rose or Jared Dudley or Ronda Hollis-Jeff. They got a lot of talent, man. And they play hard. So it's going to be a fun game. They just have one humongous weakness, and that is defending the paint. Up next on this road trip will be the Philadelphia 76ers. Set those alarms, Rip City. It will be a 10 a.m. start. The Sixers are absolutely fucking stacked. Their starting five is Ben Simmons, J.J. Redick, Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, and Joel Embiid. Um, they could easily give the Warriors a run for their money. They are that talented. But the early start may play in our favor as well because it's still an early afternoon East Coast time. And that's that's a 1 p.m. Saturday time it is not normal, especially for you know the, the East Coast squad. So... This could be a game where Portland may, if if they are successful, they may have to catch Philly off guard. All of their usage rates, in theory, have to drop a little. Who do you think? Which player is going to be the most affected from Tobias Harris coming to the team? You know, I think the obvious answer early on was Jimmy Butler, but I, I watched them play against Denver, a little bit against the Lakers, and then I think Boston as well. But what he has done is he has become insanely efficient over this small sample size, taking about 12 shots, but much higher than 50% shooting. And he's getting to the foul line like six, seven plus times. So he's still getting his his 20. So usage, it's Jimmy, but he's still producing. Um, I think Ben Simmons is going to be the one who is really going to lower his amount uh, of FGAs. I think he's going to be in distribute mode and – I think if they are to be successful, everything still needs to run through the big fella because big fellas mm. as talented as Embiid really can be the difference maker. And if you know, if you have one and you're able to utilize them in today's, today's league, um, you're basically zigging while everybody else is zagging and nobody really has an answer for, for Jojo. Thankfully for Portland, you know, we have Nurkic and uh, I think, one thing the Blazers have to be careful of is not getting the big man in foul trouble. Um, we got absolutely run out of their gym last year. And then we had the 18-point comeback 
um, in December of 2017. Obviously, we we killed them earlier in December of 2018 this year, but as we all know, there was no Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid didn't play, and you know CJ went for 40. Well, the Sixers can't defend ball dominant guards, but they, me saying that is completely forgetting about Tobias Harris as a defender. So it's it's tough to really make our call our shot on this game since there's such limited sample size to look at. So it's really just guesses. I'd imagine that their defense isn't going to be that much better at stopping ball-dominant guards. I think CJ's going to have a good game. I think Dame will have a good game. And then I think it really is our bigs just tr- keeping it a stalemate with Joel Embiid. It's a t- this is a tough one, man. They're, this Philadelphia 76ers team is so talented. Yeah, I think the Blazers lose only because we haven't played well in Philly in forever. Um, we I haven't do play, think, yeah, man, that we haven't been good in Philadelphia. I mean, like like the process was still involved, and we weren't good. <laughs> we were not good. Yeah, we would we routinely get blown out. I do think if Portland is able to win, it will be. I know you said the ball dominant point guards have success, but I still think we're going to need to have a lot of assists. Um, this is still a Philly team that's getting used to playing with one another. Um, and they're coming off of a pretty long break and off of a loss against the Celtics at home. If the Blazers are going to win, they're going to need to basically do what the 77 Blazers did to that stacked Philadelphia 76ers team. Ooh, and that's move the ball, cut, get to the foul line, utilize your chemistry and, Make it so it's going to take someone from Philly just going, you know, nuclear to, to beat us. Essentially what happens with the Warriors when you get two of those guys going. Um, I just think talent-wise, it's on the road. We're not a good road team. It's going to be an early start. Uh, Is we're it a back-to-back? Back? No, not for us. Okay. We're, we're, we're not going 7-0 and on this trip. So you got to pick a loss somewhere. To me, this feels like one of the more obvious ones. I'd be delighted if we won. But the Brooklyn game to me is much more, much more important because mm-hmm. you kind of expect a loss against Philly. I'm going a loss as well. I mean, win v Brooklyn, loss versus Philly. I'll take it. <laughs> All right, buddy. I, I think for an impromptu podcast, we we knocked that one out of the park. Anything else for our listeners before we log off for the night? No, man. I will see you Sunday for another Holy Backboard podcast where we talk about. The two in a week. Uh, my mom's coming into Portland tomorrow, so I get to hang out with my mom. So it's going to be a fun little, uh, fun little visit with my mother on Wednesday. So I'm looking forward to that, and I will talk to you later. Well, give Mama Sage a hug for me. All the best from my neck of the woods. Thank you all for listening to us. Yeah, hopefully we're coming back talking about two big wins. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!